0: You are listening to Lindsay's Story, a daughter with hearing loss and bilateral cochlear implants on the Child Life On Call podcast.
1: And when the audiologist came back into the room, I could tell by the look on her face that something was definitely not right. And she had told us that, you know, her findings were that she had severe to profound hearing loss. Hearing aids probably weren't really going to help her. Of course, you know, the minute you hear that, you start, you just get emotional. I just started bawling. I just didn't know how to respond.
0: Today on the podcast, we will hear from Lindsay. She will be talking about her daughter who has hearing loss and what their experience with cochlear implants has been like. Lindsay, who is originally from Northern Minnesota, met her husband when he was visiting there. They have since moved to Austin and have a full house, two kiddos, Jason and Vivian, a dog and a cat. Lindsay begins her story by talking to us about the day that Vivian was born and the newborn hearing test that all infants go through in the hospital.
1: So Vivian was born um, on March 13th, 2016. She was not very far away from her due date, about 10 days away. And needless to say, the labor and delivery process for her was actually really, really quick. We had her hearing testing done in the hospital, and she had failed the first time. And I wasn't really worried about it because my son had failed in the hospital, too. And I was like, well, no. He failed one time, and then he did it again, and he passed. And so they came to do it a second time. She failed that time. But again, I wasn't, you know, super worried because they had told me, it could be fluid in her ears. She was born fast. That's just not something you should worry about. But please do come back in 10 days and we can retest her and go from there. And so I brought her back 10 days later and then she failed again. And so at that point I was like, okay, you know, something's going on. Something's not right. And so we scheduled another screening. This time it was an ABR, which is the, is a sedated test for children who are older. But since Vivian was only about four weeks at the time. She didn't need to be sedated. We brought her to the hospital. She had the testing done. During the testing, I was holding her, and she was sleeping. And in the middle of the testing, I could hear the little microphones they put in their in their ears. And in addition, they have little cool things on their forehead to kind of measure the brain waves going through their brain. And um, during the test, I started to hear the clicks. And she wasn't flinching. She wasn't moving. Nothing was happening. And I was, like, thinking to myself, something is not, something's not right. And so sure enough, they, you know, kept doing the testing. I kept asking questions. and like, you know, we're going to get our results and we'll come back and talk to you. And, um, I waited, it was probably like the longest 10 minutes of my life um, for them to come back. And and when the audiologist, um, came back into the room, I could tell by the look on her face that something was definitely not right. And she had told us that, you know, her findings were that she had, Severe to profound hearing loss, and um, hearing aids probably weren't really going to help her. Of course, you know, the minute you hear that, you start, you just get emotional. I just started bawling. I just didn't know how to respond. And you know, I, my husband actually was not even there at that appointment because you know we thought she would maybe have like mild to moderate hearing loss, and you know, hearing aids might be an option. We we're kind of prepared for that, but I don't think anything really prepares you for hearing the, those words and that hearing aids weren't going to work and you know, most people aren't aren't really aware of this, but children who are deaf, ninety about ninety three percent of their parents are hearing parents. It's not a very I guess a very common thing for deaf children to have parents who are deaf. And so it was a complete shock to us and our family. You know, finding out the initial news and was a lot to process. But at that appointment it was the first time that I'd ever heard of cochlear implants. And you know, after getting all the information, and I was like information overload try to go home and start to process and um, it took a while to kind of come to the decision and um, it was a lot it was a lot of information
2: yeah that's a lot to deal with how did you and your husband kind of balance learning that information are, are you both researchers or does one do more than the other or how did that work
1: so I would say we are both really big on research, of course. And so the first thing, of course, you do is you get home and, you know, we, and we invite our family over, his parents, and, you know, we tell them the news. And, uh, of course, the first thing we do is we start researching everything. And the worst thing is, is you know, you're like, okay, you know, she has hearing loss or she's deaf and is there something more that's wrong? So the research can be both a positive thing and a negative thing to we should not use Google as a doctor <laughs> is what I've learned. Um, but it's just, it's can be really overwhelming doing research because then you start reading about other disorders or other things that might, you know, be going on. And so I guess that was a positive thing because I got to see, you know, the positive effects of what a cochlear implant, how that would work, what that would look like for her, if that was something that we chose to do. And, um, it was just really overwhelming, even just doing the research and seeing how many other disorders and things that were, could potentially be associated with our hearing loss.
2: Sure, definitely. Um, for those of us who don't know much about what cochlear implants are or what they do or what the process is like, can you help explain that to us?
1: Of course. So the cochlear implant there is a small device. It's about the size of a quarter, and it has, this is the best way to describe it in layman's terms. about the size of a quarter, and there's two electrodes that are attached to it. And so, it gets implanted in the brain, and one of the electrodes gets fed through the cochlea to send little, to send signals to the cochlea. So, if, if someone is deaf, typically speaking, what happens is the cells that are in the cochlea, they are, they don't exist, or there are no little tiny ear hairs for the sound to move through. So what that, what the part that goes through the cochlea does is it, you know, feeds through, there's a little tiny, 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 tiny piece of um, material. And on that piece of material, it has 22 electrodes. And those all are different pitches of sound. And then the other one gets pointed towards um, the auditory nerve in the brain.
2: Okay, gotcha. And so does that go in like with a surgical implant or... What's the process? So, you know, she's four weeks old. You find out this information. You learn about cochlear implants. What was the process like after that? So the
1: process... After that is actually a long process, and I talked to other parents that are going through the same same thing that we did. In order to become a candidate candidate, there's a lot of hoops you have to jump through. So after we found out, they were like, there there might be a wait, just depending on you know you, um, what the case looks like for the doctor. And so we actually had to get a lot of testing done. Um, she had to have a repeat ABR screen just to confirm her hearing loss. We had to test her kidneys to make sure there was nothing wrong with her kidneys, that they were functioning well because there are other um, disorders and diseases associated with that. She had to also go to a cardiologist to get her heart checked out. Um, She also had to have an MRI done to make sure that her auditory nerve was in good working order because that's one of the vital parts, um, of course, for the cochlear implant to work. And so it was a really long process getting there. I always tell parents, the process, it's all about the process for that. And as soon as you get to that day, that surgery day, it it's just crazy. Because after the surgery, you're going for a couple follow-up appointments. There's a lot involved after the surgery. But then after that, everything kind of just slows down and falls into place the way it should. But she had her surgery in February, February 1st to be exact. And um, the surgery... Was def- it was wrong. It was about five hours, and they did one year at a time, but they were so gracious to call us um, after one year was done just to listen, everything was going well. And um, it was it was a, probably the longest five hours of my life, I and mean, I did everything that I could to distract myself. Um, I brought my computer. I did some work, all kinds of just trying to distract myself to try not to focus on it or worry about it. And um, when she, we saw her in the recovery room, she, of course, she was super puffy and swollen. And they gave her her Princess Leia headband, as I call it, just to help with the healing process. Because when they go in for the surgery, they make um, small incisions behind the ears. And then they have to go in and very, very, very carefully thread that little piece through um, each of the cochleas. That's, that part is probably what took the surgeon the longest time because you want it to be a good fit. and. Well, babies are little, and so going slow is really important for that part of the procedure. But after she got in the recovery room, she woke up. Probably we started really early in the morning, so we started process at about six thirty in the morning. She started her surgery at seven thirty. She was out by twelve thirty, and then by about two thirty, four o'clock in the afternoon, she finally perked up pretty good and was awake and was smiling, and I was completely amazed by the next day, and she just was almost back to her normal self, which was crazy. Kids are super resilient, and she's definitely a trooper.
2: Wow. So what do they tell you about what to expect or the expectations associated with getting the cochlear implant? Um, Is it something that cures her hearing loss? Is it something that's a gradual process? What is that like?
1: So it's actually a really involved process. So the best Hearing. So most people hear. I mean, about at about fifteen. I mean, if you have some hearing loss, I mean, you're, let's say you go to a lot of concerts or you're exposed to a lot of loud noise, it's likely that you might have some hearing loss at between about ten to fifteen decibels. Um, with a cochlear implant, the best hearing you can get is at about fifteen decibels, which is actually really good. So it's pretty much eighty-five percent hearing for the most part. And um, so what they do is you have to wait about three weeks which about seemed like the longest three weeks of my life waiting for you know her incisions to heal and then they go in for an activation and what they do is they you have all the parts for the for cochlear implant there's a couple different styles that we got to choose from but the one that she wears the one that we picked um it is a there's a so there's a magnet on each side of her head and that is what magnetizes the coil to the back of her head and that's what essentially sound through into her brain and there's also a little microphone so it looks very similar to a hearing aid the piece says that that she wears and we actually put them in a headband which was super easy for toddlers and so we went on february 23rd to get that done and so what they do at that appointment is they go through and they test every single electrode with different beats and so during that time she was starting to hear beats and um and they're like okay you know we're gonna we're gonna turn them on you know, she might cry, she might, you know, be happy, you just don't know what to expect, and so we turned them on, they turned them on, and we started talking to her, and her face just lit up, and she, um, she got kind of a a smile on her face, her eyes got really big, and she turned towards us when we were talking to her, and so we were just so overjoyed, I mean, as a parent, for, I mean, I I literally just never thought the day would come, like, I didn't know they were going to work, I mean, I saw all these other people and their experiences that they had with their children. I talked to lots of families and I just feel like I didn't, you just don't know. I mean, you hope and you pray that the surgery will work and everything will work, work out the way it's supposed to. But I just, I didn't know until that day. And so, you know, just seeing that as a parent and her being able to hear your voice, that was just, it was such a big, a big deal to us. It was a very emotional time.
2: Oh my gosh, I can imagine like what a difference from the first hearing test at four weeks to this one. It's just total
1: opposites and how wonderful that must have been. It was. It was really, really wonderful. And but the, the, the big part I tell parents is, you know, you have all these appointments, you have all of these things that you're going through to get to the point, but it's what happens after is what's important. And so we are we do therapy with her pretty much all day every and all day, every day thing. Uh, we do we do what's called auditory and verbal therapy with Vivian, and so she sees her therapist about twice a month. But most of it is work for the parents and her caregivers. And so um, we make our environment home very oral environment where we're pointing out and explaining things and talking to her, exposing her to different songs and different languages, just different all kinds of different words. We try to expose her language, and we do sign language with her, too. And so she does sign a lot of basic baby signs and lots of animals, and um, that's been lots of fun, you know, seeing her learn to sign language and getting excited when she sees something and saying it and seeing it and signing. And um, it's just, it's definitely been a process, and we've learned a lot through it. And the biggest thing that I tell parents is that you are your biggest advocate for your child and that um, it's just you really just have to, if you feel like you're led to do something in a specific way, you should definitely do it and, you know, research, research about it, talk to professionals about it. Cause it wasn't, it was not an easy decision for us to come to the choice of, you know, giving her a cochlear implant. You know, it's, it can be very controversial, especially in the deaf community. And, um, we, I just honestly, at the end of the day, We just wanted to give her the best chance that we could so if she you know wants to be in the hearing world and wants to speak we wanted to give her the best opportunity possible and we'll want to definitely teach her some more sign language as she gets older but we're really focused on the oral part of it right now and um, it's definitely been a long process and it's going to continue to be a process really over the years and just teaching her to listen and pointing out sounds for her and just seeing her face light up when she hears a song or even if she says a new word, it's like a big deal. Every time she says a new word, I literally start crying because I just, I never thought it was going to happen.
2: Oh, yeah, it's so true. So many of us take for granted, you know, our child's smile when they hear a song that they know or a word that they know. And like how incredible those moments really are.
1: It was, it was really hard, especially when she was, you know, a baby and you're like you you like want me to sing to her like she's fussy and you want me to sing to her and you say of course she can't hear anything and it's just it's kind of almost heartbreaking in a way. It's like, oh like I just wanna do with my voice, but I can't because she can't hear. So there were other things that you know that we did we, she's a very snug very snuggly child. But she I will tell you she is a bit fire. Um she definitely holds her own. She's very independent. She wants to do everything herself. Um, which I think is really good. She's very, very, very social child with other children. She loves to play with other children. Um, like I said, her and her brother, they also, they're 22 months apart, and so they can be best friends one minute, the next minute, they might be what you would say frenemies. They're arguing over a toy, and I uh, just to even see her argue and tell him no. I mean, this just, I mean, that in itself, just getting excited about your child saying no. might seem kind of silly to some people, like you are in that no phase, but I just get really excited even when I hear her say no to her brother. It's just, it's honestly been so amazing just getting to see her develop. And this past week, we actually did some booth testing just to kind of see where she was at, what level she was hearing at. And her booth test revealed that she's hearing between 20 to 30 decibels which is really good for only hearing for a couple of months and really you can get just a little bit better than that and for her only being 19 months old and her hearing that well she's definitely off to a great start. Um
2: what did that test entail? Was it similar like the hearing test that you guys had been through before so you were kind of accustomed with what to expect and how you could support her?
1: It it was a little bit different than that. So it, it was booth testing. So booth testing is where your child goes into a a booth that is completely silent, and there's a couple speakers in there, and they will we off some of the Ling 6 sounds like ah, e, o, and they'll try to get her attention and just kind of and also put them at different pitch levels to see where she's turning, see if she's mimicking any of the sounds, and um, it's just it was really neat to see her do that and see her recognize some of the sounds, and it. But for that one that we did this past week, I actually wasn't in there because I can be a distraction sometimes and we want her to be pretty much as bored as possible during that so we can get good responses since she is young and very distractible.
2: Right. I can imagine that's hard with a toddler.
1: Yes. It's really hard some days. Like this today for an example, she she at first, I will definitely say we really struggled to keep the implants on her because I don't really feel like she knew what they meant or what they were really for I mean she was hearing the sound but still she was fairly young so she was still trying you know I feel like understanding like what are these doing for me why am I wearing them and I feel like once she started to recognize sound, uh, she she started wanting to wear them more and more and more and now it's actually to the point where if she takes them off Or if you know she sometimes will play with them because she's a toddler, she will actually come bring them to us and and point to her head and ask us to put them back on her. She she wants to hear, which is like the sweetest thing ever. Um, But it can be a challenge sometimes because there's lots of little pieces and parts, and she likes to pull them apart. She's super curious.
2: Wow, she sounds really smart. (laughs) How did your son handle? all of this and I guess not only having to adjust to a new sibling or having to deal with you guys going to different doctors appointments and him not going how did all that work
1: it was a, it was definitely a lot on him and I don't really feel like I you know felt that it was a lot until just recently when I actually was like oh things are starting to slow down now and you know during that time we especially made a point to do things one-on-one with him whether it be I take him out to just go to go to a restaurant or go to Chick-fil-A and go play in the play place. And just to, taking the time to just spend some one-on-one time with him. I think that was probably a really big thing that we did. He also, was he's also very involved with things that we do with Vivian. He's actually been to part of a therapy session before with her. Um, he knows all of the different sounds that we do with her and different words that we're working on in songs. So we, he's also a really good speech Speech model for her, and we just try to involve him in all the process as much as we could. And that he didn't, he um, even came to the hospital to see her when she was there. He didn't quite understand because he, he just turned three in May, so it was just right before he turned three, but he could understand, I think, more than we thought he could. And we just explaining to him, and now. I mean, we call her cochlear implants, her ears. And so I was like, okay, what did Vivian do with her ears? And he's like, oh, let me find her ears and, you know, let me help you, help, let me help you put them on. And so he, and the interesting thing was, too, when we, before we got the cochlear implants and kind of decided to go that route, she had hearing aids. And he was particularly curious about, you know, the hearing aids, and he wanted to wear them, too. He hasn't done that quite yet with the cochlear implants, but I think he's starting to understand more. But I just always tell parents, you know, if you can involve your child in any way, whether it be, you know, just spending one on one time with him while you're going through something like this is just so impactful to them. It just needs extra love.
2: Oh, and I love what you did with including him in the therapeutic part of it too, and having him know some of the words and be involved because really that benefits your daughter and your son um, and they can do it together.
1: You know, it's, it's really funny. We have a, a game that Vivian loves we call it the bead game and so pretty much what it is is a bottle full of beads with water and we do different sounds lots of speech babble sounds and so he might do ah e ah e ah e or ooh, ooh, ooh. and sometimes he'll be like no it's my turn i get to pick the sound this time and so we let him do that and then he'll copy his sound and then she will do a sound and he'll copy it and so just <laughs> getting him involved really at any level is just it's fun for him and he feels like he's a part of the process too what would
2: you say were and are some of the hardest parts about having a child who has hearing loss or these cochlear implants?
1: I think some of the hardest parts about it are most people, a lot of people don't know about cochlear implants, honestly. Um, people will give us funny looks out in public and I'm just like, why don't you just ask us questions rather than giving us funny Because I'm so more than happy to share about our experience or how we came to the decision and what they are. Uh, I just wish people would ask rather than stare and give funny looks because most people don't know what those are. Children will come to her or come to me like, what is she, what does she have on her head? What are those? And I'm like, well, Vivian can't hear without them. And those are her super bionic ears or her magic ears or her special ears. And um, she uses those to listen and without them, she can't hear, she's deaf. And so I just really, one thing that I always just recommend, and I do more now so that I'm a parent of a child that has some different special needs. I think I'm always super, a lot more sensitive to that. I want to ask questions rather than give funny looks. I think that's definitely been a challenge. I think also one of our other biggest challenges has been just like feeling like, are you doing enough? Like, is it, are what you're doing, is it enough? Is it working? Like, is she going to get caught up? I think the biggest for me thing for me is that there's just still a lot of unknown to She's nineteen months old. she's doing great. She's catching up with her peers. You know our goal is to have her mainstream, but if we don't, that's not a big deal. I mean, it'll work itself out. but there's just so much unknown for the future. I think that's probably the hardest part for me, I'm a big planner.
2: Can you describe some of the misconceptions that coming along with a child who has cochlear implants I think
1: some of the I think the biggest misconception that people have um, especially with children you know, who have even that are deaf or hearing loss. I think everybody who thinks that has a child that has hearing loss, that they're deaf, that they have, they must have deafness run in their family. You know, they their parents must be deaf, but that's just not the case. I feel like that's probably the biggest misconception. People always ask, me, know, does it run in your family? Do you have, like, a distant relative that's deaf? And I, we don't. Uh, we don't really know what the cause of her hearing loss was. We know that she doesn't appear to be syndromic in any way. Um, we will probably have genetic testing when she gets to be a little bit older. But um, I feel like that's probably the biggest misconception is people um, are just really, you know, oh, you must have, it must run in your family. or you know, Nope, that's, she's just deaf and she's the only one. And we don't know why, but it's just one of those things that you just have to learn to be okay with and accept.
2: What would you say has helped you the most as her mom? In dealing with all this.
1: I feel like, definitely feel like the support of um, my work family, uh, my friends, and especially, you know, just other people out there in the cochlear implant community and deaf community both. Um, We have, we started, you know, when she was, I think seven or eight weeks old, we had ECI start coming out to our house and um, start spending time with her and signing with her even when she was little. And so that helped out a lot. It helped answer a lot of my questions I had about the deaf community, about how, you know, things in the school district worked. A lot of those questions that I kind of had looming in my mind at first, it really helped out a lot. And, you know, just talking to a lot of other parents that have gone through the same thing or hearing their stories has been so helpful. You just, I feel like it's not a very common thing and it's really easy to feel alone. And if you can form a support network of people that are going to, just listen to you on your hard days and give you advice if you need it. And really just people that are going to encourage you to advocate for your, for your children. That was definitely something that helped me. Um, One of uh, my bosses actually really encouraged me. She's like, no, Lindsay, you need to keep being persistent and, you know, keep calling the doctors if you know, You're not getting appointments quick enough because that was one of the things that we struggled with. It was a little bit difficult to get into the doctor that we wanted to see that does the cochlear implants. And so I called pretty much every day um, for about two weeks until I was able to get an appointment that wasn't four weeks, four months out. And so just having those people that are going to be your cheerleaders, people that are going to cheer you on and support you throughout the process, I can't stress enough of how important that has been to me.
2: Right. And I think you've touched on this a lot already, but I guess if you could see um, another parent who's, you know, at that four-week-old appointment and getting the same news you got, is is there something that you would tell them?
1: I would tell them that it's going, it, it, as hard as it may seem, it's going to be okay. Um, and I think I would have loved to have somebody just tell me, it's going to be okay. It doesn't seem like it is right now because it's so overwhelming to just to get so many options put in front of you um, from hearing aids to, you know, methods of communication. That was a big, a big thing for us. Like people are like, oh, are you going to sign with her? Are you going to do total communication, which is both spoken language and sign language? Are you going to be oral? There's just so many choice choices when it comes to having a child who's deaf. And that's definitely been one of my biggest obstacles. And so i really encourage other parents to just do their research, talk to other people, Really, just talk to especially those parents that are going through it too, and kind of what their thought process was. Um, I am a part of a group called Texas Hands and Voices, and I got um, put in contact with them right away. Probably when Vivian was about six or seven weeks old, and they had someone who actually reached out to me, another parent who had had their child that was implanted. And I just was able to ask them whatever questions I wanted to, and that was really really helpful for me at first. I guess the biggest thing is just know that you're not alone, even though you may feel alone. Um, there's other people out there that are going through what you're going through. They might just not live close to you. And so um, I, one thing that I've done is I definitely made, made a presence on a couple of cochlear implant boards um, that are out there. There's so many, so many support groups and so many groups of people out there that just want to help each other. And um, it's just, it's a lot to go through. A lot, a lot emotionally. And It's just there's so many decisions that need to be made in a short amount of time. And my my best advice is just find those people that, you know, are your cheerleaders and find your support network. That's really, at the end of the day, what the most important thing is.
2: If you could describe what Vivian has taught you through this experience,
1: what would it be? She has taught me probably more about myself than I ever thought she would. Um, Just more about you know, standing up for yourself, and the fact that you know we just really had every step we just had to push and you know fight to get to that you know that surgery day. It was a lot of appointments and a lot of just very trying to get through um, the first really couple of months, just the processing part of it. But the biggest thing that she's really taught me is joy. She's just always, even before she was implanted, she's the happiest. Happiest, happiest child. And she's just, she's happy all the time. Um, I just, I couldn't ask for it. And we happy. She's just really the most happiest person. I i don't think I've ever met anyone more happier than my daughter. I know that's kind of biased, but she's just a really a joyful person. She sees joy in the small things. And she's just taught me that, you know, life is short. Enjoy, enjoy everything. Cause it all goes by really, really fast. And she is a, she's definitely a fighting spirit.
2: Are there any specific resources? I know you mentioned the Texas Hand and Voices, um, but are there any other resources that you would recommend to a parent?
1: I would definitely, if you are considering cochlear implants or if you're thinking about that being an option for your child, and don't get me wrong, your child doesn't have to be, you know, a baby. Let's say they're older and you decide that maybe you want to, Give them opportunity to hear. Um, There's definitely, I would definitely encourage going on to Facebook. And there's a couple of really great parent groups, Cochlear Implant Parents, Parents of Cochlear Kids. There's a couple of really great groups on there that have a lot of great resources. And parents are just really able to be honest on there and be like, I'm having problems with this, you know, my little one won't keep their ears on. Or you have families that are just still like in the research part of it and they're just not sure if it's the right choice for their family. And they're just going on there to ask questions that like, what do you think of this? Or, you know, what do you, what would you do if this came up? And so just ha- and they're just so, everybody on there is just so incredibly helpful. And it's been a huge resource for me. And so I definitely encourage becoming a part of those groups as well.
0: Thank you so much to Lindsay for sharing your story with our listeners today. And another big thank you goes out to Laura Morsman Photography for the amazing photos of Lindsay and her family. If you live in Austin, go book Laura Morsman Photography to capture beautiful moments of you and your family. If you'd like to get in touch with Lindsay and have any questions for her about her experience or the resources she mentioned, get in touch with me at info at childlifepodcast.com and I will connect you with her. I will link to the Texas Hands and Voices resource that Lindsay mentioned in the show notes page. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Child Life on Call podcast this week. And as always, I look forward to connecting with you on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Make sure you're following along. See you all next week.